You're listening to the Choose Life Podcast, a podcast about living a radically human and courageously authentic life. Join us as we discuss topics from small business leadership to adoption advocacy to living the life God has called you to. Here's your host, Clay Steves. Hello and welcome back to the Choose Life Podcast. I am your host, Clay Steves, and it is an honor that you would choose to spend your valuable time with me right now. For those of you watching on Facebook, on the video podcast, already you know something is different (laughs) just by the scene that you are uh, looking at behind me, the set, the lighting, all of it is different than normal. Uh, So to those of you watching the video, thank you for following us on that platform. Thank you for engaging that way. For those of you on iTunes or Spotify or any other platforms listening to the audio version of the podcast, let me paint a little picture for you. Uh, I am in the guest bedroom in my household. I am by myself. And that is unfortunately due to the fact that I am now needing to quarantine. Uh, I am needing to quarantine. Yesterday morning about 2 a.m., I woke up with uh, 102 fever. I was tired the day before. Uh, it was a Saturday. It was, I was tired and run down, but nothing, <clears throat> nothing over the top or... Unexpected. I've been going pretty hard, and I haven't been sleeping well for the last couple of weeks, and so I just thought I was, you know, run down. Woke up, like I said, Sunday morning with a, a strong, strong fever, and then uh, took some medicine, felt better. But given the circumstances and everything going on right now, and our world ended up going to get tested last night for COVID, and got a positive test. So I have uh, tested positive for COVID-19, and due to this fact, I am now uh, in my guest bedroom, filming a podcast, working from up here, and isolated by myself. I um, I actually feel <clears throat> feel really well today. Hundred uh, percent, no, um, uh, that would that would not be accurate. But I am I am feeling uh, much much better. I'm not needing to take any medicines to bring. Um, I haven't had any fevers, so I'm not having to take anything to try to bring that down. Um, tired and fatigued, um, but again, physically feel, feeling strong. But uh, it's been unique and in trying, you know, last week uh, on the podcast, we talked about radical humanity. We talked about leading with vulnerability and the need for this being so fundamental and critical in choosing life to live this mindset, to live this lifestyle to choose life, being uh, radically human, showing your pit stains and and leading it with vulnerability. So I'm just trying to do that right now. It's been a unique 24 hours. It's been a unique 24 hours. I am, um, like I said, I'm physically, physically feeling fine. Uh, I've battled much worse physically in my life. Mentally and emotionally, the last 24 hours has been a bit of a uh, backside kick. I've really had some battles. Um, guilt. I battle guilt, which is interesting. I don't believe it's an accurate thing I should be uh, experiencing or battling, but I have I have battled that. I don't know. I don't have an easy uh, contact trace or connection or direct line to somewhere that I can easily explain right now uh, how I uh, uh, acquired COVID. And so I'm, I'm battling this guilt because of the fact that there's now an extra burden on my wife and my family and my kids who are isolated from me and are now, they can't go to school. My kids are having to do virtual school because there's a, a policy in their 
at their school that says if there's a nuclear family member who tests positive, they have to be held out for two weeks. And now my kids are out for two weeks and they're having to do virtual. So their life's disrupted. And now my wife, Kirsten, who's incredible, is carrying this load of trying to manage five little ones doing virtual school simultaneously, all on individual tablets. I mean, come on. I, all of us got tough jobs, but I'm that, that thing smokes my job. I'm just being honest. Like, that's got to be the hardest thing. And that One of the hardest. I shouldn't say the hardest thing. I'm working on speaking in hyperbole all the time. But it is not simple to manage five little ones, all on tablets, all on computers, live, virtual, Zooming, streaming with other kids in, in classrooms. And so... I just, I have struggled with uh, even feeling guilty about what my wife is going through right now. And I've just been frustrated. I just want to get out of here and fix stuff. I want to get going. <clears throat> and so it's been a, uh, a unique 24 hours, unique 24 hours since I tested positive. And as earlier today, I was, as everything's kind of been disrupted and I was rearranging my schedule and clearing our schedule and moving, moving meetings and events and calls and I was supposed to be in surgery today, and so just just things being disrupted. I was reminded, um, Jared, uh, who, who I've talked about a good amount on this podcast, uh, is a good friend of mine, an incredible leader within our organization. Jared always preaches, control the controllables. Control the controllables. And so I was up here this morning getting uh, anxious and frustrated and feeling guilty, uh, getting angry, all kinds of stuff, and I was like, control the controllables. Take a deep breath. What's the stuff that I can control? And so that's what I'm doing right now. I am. It's a controllable that I can sit down with all of you. I can bring my best. Uh, if, if you're looking at the lighting and the setup and the audio connection, all those things, I know they aren't as good as normal as the, and the quality that we expect to bring on the Choose Life podcast because I don't have my exceptional team here with us right now, the incredible people who make this stuff go, who are so much better than me. They're not here. I'm, I'm running solo today. But you know what? I can still control the controls. I can bring my best. So that's what that's what my heart is right now. I'm trying to lead with vulnerability, share with you guys what I'm going through. Uh, I, I will ask for prayers. I'll ask for prayers uh, over health in my household for my kiddos and for my wife, for my kiddos and for my wife. And then also I would ask for prayers for patience uh, uh, and grace <clears throat> for uh, the, the extra burden that uh, Kirsten is carrying over this next couple of weeks. It is not a simple, simple dynamic. And so uh, she's exceptional. I know she's going to handle it like, like the champ that she is. But nonetheless, uh, just pray over uh, our hearts as we navigate this unique season. And what I also know is there are so many others uh, who have encountered this. Uh, and maybe some of you listening, I, I welcome some of your thoughts and feedback about how maybe you navigated this. Please share, comment, tell us what your experience was, what are maybe some of the things that you battled with. Um, if you or someone close to you has tested positive or battles in this, and, and you know, for the other families who have gone through you know, the extreme tragedy of family members being hospitalized for long periods of time or even uh, having passed, you know, my heart. I know I'm physically... Um, I'm not battling extreme symptoms. Uh, mine are the, the mental and the emotional ones, but there are people with this disease, and you know, um, we wanna we wanna protect those others. That's why I'm up here. It's why I'm I'm living this out and staying quarantined. And then for those of you who've gone through worse from this, like my heart hurts for you because, like I said, uh, my family and I we haven't been sloppy, <clears throat> we haven't been uh, cavalier, we've been intentional, and yet still I got it, and so. <clears throat> For those of you who have had it affect your family in an extreme way, uh, my heart hurts for you. Um, I'm praying for you. 
um, let me and our company know how we could serve you, how we could encourage you, and how we could pray for you. Um, but so now I'm going to control the controllables. And so my goal is to, to bring my best right now and have a podcast this week, spend some time with you, bring some, bring some content, and equip you to choose life. That's my heart, to equip you and to encourage you to choose life. And today we're going to talk about that through the lens of being courageously authentic courageously authentic again last week i started with radically human today we're doing courageously authentic and next week we're going to do purpose driven because those are the three phrases those are the three lenses that i consistently use to filter and say choose life and so i just wanted to dive deeper in them so today we're we're gonna we're gonna dive deeper and courageously authentic we've all been there we've all been there doesn't matter if it's an in-person team meeting uh, a phone call with a family member, a Zoom connect for work. doesn't matter what the, what the medium of communication, but the conversation is moving along as planned in its normal rhythm. And then somehow, unintentionally, like subvertly or covertly sneaks in there, the topic is flirted with indirectly. The topic. You know what I'm talking about. The topic that no one can speak on. The untouchable topic, the unspeakable topic that everyone avoids. And it doesn't even matter what the topic is for you. Every group, every family, every company, every tribe, every team, every one of them, they have topics that they avoid. Like the, yeah, I actually have this written. I've had written like the bubonic plague, but let's like, like, we avoid like the plague. These topics, we avoid them. These unspeakable topics, they almost actually can build like a cult-like status within your tribe, like to the Harry Potter crew, the phrase, he who must not be named, right? Like there's these unspeakable things that form in your group. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the fact that the kid's boss, they're not carrying their weight on the team, but nobody, nobody's going to talk about that. Nobody's going to bring that up. Or the fact that not all the vendors within a specific facility have the same pricing yet we're not going to bring that piece of the conversation up. We're not going to talk about that subject matter or as to why that may be. Or within your company, maybe it's that one of the leaders is consistently late to meetings or they're unprepared, yet nobody ever talks about it and they're held to a different standard than everyone else who gets called out when they're unprepared or late. Whatever the topic is, every time it's happened Every time it happens or every time it's discussed, you are presented with a critical decision. Will you courageously choose to risk and speak the truth? Will you humbly find your voice and disagree in a moment? Or will you choose the false harmony of comfort and silently avoid the topic? And this is actually the crux, right? This is the core of courageous authenticity? Will we bring up the hard topics everyone else avoids, humbly speak truth in love, speak truth in love, and risk our own personal discomfort and potentially risk even more than that for a greater good? Will we communicate our opinion even when we're in a clear minority, right? Everyone else around you is clearly in one direction, but you actually have a different perspective, very clearly inside of you. And there's actually something inside of you that wants to speak up, will you communicate that opinion? To choose life, we must consistently 
leverage, courageous authenticity. And to live this way is undoubtedly a risk, right? I mean, it's a risk. And this is why most people stay silent in the moment. But this way of life isn't living. It's hiding in plain sight and playing it safe. That's not living. Hiding in the comfort of silence and the avoidant crowd, it actually leads to false harmony within the relationships. And it leads to cumbersome inefficiencies within a team. And those actually become a detriment to the results of the team. Don't miss that. Not speaking up actually ends up hurting the team's ability to achieve the results that everybody there is trying to achieve together. Additionally, and this is just on a personal level, so not even just a team level, but you individually, me individually, uncommunicated disagreement, whether you're in the right or the wrong, right? When you're disagreeing with someone, uncommunicated disagreement eventually turns into simmering resentment inside of you. I'm going to say that again. Uncommunicated disagreement eventually turns into simmering resentment inside of you. And when you are resenting someone else, because you were unwilling to speak up, this slowly leeches the life out of you. That's not living. That's actually taking away from life. And this is why courageous authenticity is mandatory. It is mandatory to choose life. And the word courageous authenticity, we must remember that there is no courage without risk. There is no courage without risk. Brene Brown has a great quote on this. She says, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you cannot choose both, which is so true. You cannot have one without the other. So you're going to have to risk, right? You're going to be uncomfortable to have courageous authenticity. And so if you are wanting to live a life on purpose, transcending your current thoughts and understandings, speaking your heart and bringing your best, then get comfortable being uncomfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Below are three truths to encourage you. So I've got three truths today to encourage you the next time the unaddressable topic is flirted with in a conversation and the voices in your head try to tell you, stay silent. Or the next time you need to gracefully deliver some objective tough news, or you just need to disagree and speak up. For these are the moments, these are the types of moments to muster your own courageous authenticity and speak your heart, speak your mind, speak your opinion for the greater purpose that you are pursuing collectively together with others. The first truth about courageous authenticity, it's a muscle. Courageous authenticity is a muscle. There is no question that some people are more gifted, more naturally gifted at speaking truth and disagreeing in a conversation. I am not one of these people. These people, they actually make me really, 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 really jealous, right? And I know I'm not supposed to be jealous. I know, I know I'm not supposed to be jealous, but I am. I, I legitimately am. That's what I, if I could just pick, that's what I want to be. So much so that when I was first exposed to the Myers-Briggs personality indicator, uh, and I learned the difference between T's and F's, thinkers and feelers, 
I desperately wanted to be a T. Like, I was like, oh, that's what I want to be. I want to be the one of those objective T, speak truth all the time mindsets. That's how I want to make decisions. Yes, yes. It, when there's a, So difference between a T and an F. I just love this little visual. Difference between a T and an F is if there's eight people together and there's one cake, the T is going to cut it perfectly into eight pieces and pass it out to all of those people. That's how they make the decision. It's objective. It's clean. Eight people. I'm going to cut the, the cake in eight pieces. An F... F's are going to think about the individual humans, those eight people, and think about their circumstances. Think about how the decision will affect them. And they're going to be like, oh, Jamie Sue, she's going through a really hard time. She's going to get a bigger piece than everybody else. And ooh, him. No, I'm going to give him a little bit less. He's doing just fine. And Oh, you know, I don't need any of this. And all of a sudden, all the pieces look differently, right? So again, T's and F's just were wired differently. I wanted to be wired like a T. I don't know why. Mostly probably because of the fact that I'm not that and I'm a huge F. So much so, like I'm so unrefined. If if I'm unrefined and if I am unchecked, I will let my feelings lead every decision. So just switching it to my current one. So I set out when I first learned about the the Myers Briggs and the T's and the F's. I set out to make myself a T. By the way, whatever that actually means to make yourself one of the two. And as you can imagine, I probably failed. There's no chance you can just change the way you are. Even though I tried to beat the F out of me, I was unable to do that, and I still am. But so much so that the next time I retook the assessment, I had gained so much more awareness as to how much of an F I am, a feeler I am, that my number had gone to the extreme end. And I'm like, oh, now I'm wholly aware that I'm a feeler. I've also in this season been very privileged to be exposed to some fantastic leaders who are uniquely and intentionally created on the other end of the spectrum. They are the antithesis of me in this realm. They are truly strong T's. One of them recently shared with me uh, what his wife courageously, authentically, by the way, with true courage and authenticity spoke to him to describe what it was like for her, for her interacting with him. And the way she, she described him was he would think, speak, hurt. Think, speak, hurt. He was so quick and objective, so quick and objective that it actually would accidentally and inadvertently come off as cold as he was just speaking truth into moments without stopping to pause and think, how could this truth affect the other person? What I've learned in my own experience and then learning from other great leaders like the, the one I just described a moment ago and his experience, what I've learned is this. To be courageously authentic, we actually have to find a way to take those two ends and meet them in the middle. That doesn't mean change the way we're wired because we were uniquely made exactly like we were. But to be courageously authentic, we have to bring unspeakable topics and legitimate disagreements to the conversation table with a humility and an empathy and a grace. We can't just deliver truth with uh, uh, inhuman, cutting bluntness every time. And we can't perpetually avoid hard topics just to avoid hurting someone else's feelings. But the good news is this. Delivering courageously authentic information. Being courageously authentic. It's a muscle. It's not a temperament. It's not a wiring. It's not that you're a T or an F so you can just, because you're one of them, you get to do it. It's actually both. It's a muscle. It's a skill you get to learn and live out. Now, coming from each end of the spectrum, of course, there are different elements of this muscle that you must 
build. But no matter which of the aisle you are on, as you start to leverage courageous authenticity, bringing truth and hard topics to light with kindness and humility, give yourself grace. Okay, give yourself grace. Building muscle takes time and consistency, just like the physical ones that we're trying to build in the gym. And so you have to start practice building this skill. This takes time. You just got to get going. You have to begin trying to live it out and you will not live it perfectly. And then remember also with muscles, once you build them, you have to keep working them to keep them strong. Because if you stop using them, they begin to atrophy. And so being courageously authentic, speaking truth with grace, right? To do these things in combination together, it's a muscle. It's a skill that you can build. You will not execute it perfectly, but you must be willing to start. You must be willing to fail forward and consistently keep working this muscle. Those around you are counting at it. So the first truth on courageous authenticity is a muscle. It is a muscle. Truth number two is likely for the F's. Truth number two, likely for the F's, you have a physical tell that's the leading indicator. You have a physical tell that's the leading indicator. As a strong feeler, I have a personal tell that tells me I'm avoiding speaking on a topic or speaking my opinion based out of fear of hurting someone else's feelings. For me, it's an awful deep, deep in my, deep in my stomach, deep in my stomach discomfort, this pit of the stomach feeling. And I don't get that feeling from any other, any other encounter, any other interactions, anything other than when as a feeler, I'm avoiding speaking my opinion or holding someone accountable or speaking something that could potentially hurt someone else's feelings. So I avoid speaking up. I have a tell. I get a feeling in the pit of my stomach. And guess what? You have one too. You have one too. Yours may not be the pit of the stomach, but you have one too. You may not be slowing down enough to pay attention to it, but you have one, I promise. I have one friend, they get sweaty palms. There's a sweaty palm. So they'll be in a conversation and the subject will come up or someone will state something that they disagree with and they know they need to speak up, but because they have a tendency to not in those moments because they're a feeler and they don't wanna hurt somebody's feelings, they start getting sweaty palms. That's their physical tell. This is their physical tell. Another team member of mine, their heart starts to race. They start getting a fast, fast heart rate over and over and over. Again, you have a physical tell that tells you you're avoiding speaking when you need to. The key is to learn what is your physical reaction to this fear of conflict and to start watching for it. You have to learn. So the first thing you have to do is start observing yourself, right? In these conversations, when the subject comes up, watch. Watch what makes you, watch what your physical tell is as you're avoiding speaking up. Because once you're aware that it's happening, you now have the conscious choice. You now have a conscious choice. Can I stay comfortable in my silence? Can I hide in plain sight and avoid speaking my opinion or speaking the hard truth? Or can I be courageously authentic and dare to enter the moment and speak truth. I recently went through this uh, and I actually, I failed. I failed to step up to the plate as I actually wrote this example before I tested positive. So this is even, 
uh, more. It just kind of got me there. Sorry. Wow. It's pretty remarkable. So uh, as, as COVID began to tear through our country, it was brought to my attention uh, that Habakkuk didn't have a clear contingency plan in place if I was incapacitated for a prolonged period of time. Uh, now maybe you can see why I got emotional there for a sec. It's always prudent and wise approach, right, in life to have these things buttoned down long before you ever get to the moment. That's why I have personally, you know, a very clear trust and uh, will and powers of attorney so that if anything ever happened that I ever passed, my uh, wife and family, uh, we have very clear delineations and actions to take that we have pre-thought out and decided while we were in a healthy state uh, of mind and body. In our company, we have a, a strategic anchor that embodies this. It's called over-prepare and fly by the seat of our pants. It's one of the ways we succeed. And so you over-prepare long before the moment ever comes. But for COVID-19 and for me being out a long time, potentially, we didn't have a clear contingency plan. So I set about putting in the work and I had some initial conversations with the leaders within the company and I sought their feedback on, you know, what, what should we do? And you know, do you go to multi-person leadership? Is there a clear one person who it is? Because I've got great leaders. I've, I've got three incredible leaders on my leadership team. <clears throat> well, as you can imagine, ask three people something, you get three different answers. <laughs> That's pretty normal. <laughs> I always tell people, welcome to leadership. That's your job is to actually be the one who makes the decision. So how did I respond? Uh, how did I respond as a leader in that situation? Was I courageously authentic and that I step up to the plate and deal right there in the mess with the hard subject? <clears throat> um, no, I, I actually have to unfortunately say no, that I did not do that. It was actually brought up again when we were all together. Um, and it was brought up and I felt that pit in my stomach, like, oh, this is one of those things I've been avoiding. Because <clears throat> right now, I'm in a, a situation where it's a, in my head an either-or. I was in a fool's choice. I was in an either-or. And um, I was afraid if I chose one answer, I was going to hurt everyone else's feelings. And so I let that perception of me hurting someone's feelings override my willingness to be courageously authentic and enter the tough conversation right there in the moment. I avoided the subject, and we moved on. All because I didn't want to disappoint somebody. That fool's choice from Crucial Conversations, uh, I love that. I love that book. It's a great resource. <clears throat> but it's where you believe there's only two options, which, by the way, is rarely, rarely, rarely ever true. It's just that we fall mentally into that trap. We fall into this binary trap. And instead of getting things out onto the table of conversation, into the pool of meaning where we can talk and rumble and discuss more and come up with solutions, we keep it in our head. And I fell into the fool's choice that if I chose one leader, the other would hate me. And falling into this trap, I put the entire team at risk of not having the necessary clarity needed. Uh, to excel in an unstable environment. So luckily, I've, I've been working on that muscle. And even before we've recorded this, last week, when I had written this piece and kind of called myself out, even just to myself before I ever communicated it with all of you, 
we met again as a leadership team and we talked about this very subject. And I walked away with action items. I walked away with clear things of when I needed to decide this. <clears throat> but the, 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 the conversation got onto the table. It wasn't avoided. The muscle was strengthened. The muscle was built on. And now I'm, I'm working towards a very clear decision for our team. And the right people are on the conversation and it's not being avoided. We'll deal with messy topics that others avoid. We get into the mess. Another leader in my life talked about he's at an inflection point where a senior partner at his organization <clears throat> recently had a giant health scare and there's not clarity for him as to whom is in charge to step up who steps up as this leader goes through it because that other leader had avoided this conversation for years if you're a strong feeler what you have to know is you have a physical tell that will trigger you i had mine I know mine, and I had it in that moment. I had it when my team member brought it up. She was like, hey, we need to come up with a decision on this. And I felt that tell, and I skipped it like that. And that's on me. I was not courageously authentic right there. But if you're a feeler, you have a physical tell. To tell you that you're avoiding bringing up a subject or disagreeing in a conversation. Trust that tell. Become aware of it, and then trust that tell. When you feel it, just speak up. Just speak up and stop the conversation and muster that courage right there. Muster your nerves to say, I, I have something I need to say. I have something I need to say. It's going to be messy coming out. I'm going to try to clear it up. Just everybody stop for a second. I got to get something out. Then you get to be courageously authentic. Fear, fear, fear is not an indicator that you shouldn't share. Fear is not an indicator that you shouldn't share. It's actually the leading indicator that you need to speak up. Remember, there is no courage without fear. U.S. Army Air Force Captain Eddie Rickenbacker uh, nailed it, nailed it with this. And, and I mean, if, if you've never looked him up, study, study, study Captain Rickenbacker. He said, courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. We've had, we've had two quotes, both talking about courage, both saying you will be uncomfortable and you will be afraid. That's where courage comes in. So when we say courageous authenticity, know when you're uncomfortable and you're afraid, you're in the exact right spot to be courageous. Trust your physical tell. Speak up and be courageously authentic. All right, truth number one, courageous authenticity is a muscle. Truth number two, truth number two, your physical tell is your leading indicator. It's gonna tell you, especially UFs, Time to speak up. And truth number three. This one is likely for the T's. This one is likely for the T's. Here's my truth number <clears throat> three. Sugar is to medicine as humility is to truth. Sugar is to medicine as humility is to truth. Just remember the old adage, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> so this is for the side of courageous authenticity that has no problem speaking truth. No problem speaking up on the tough subjects. No hesitancy speaking blunt, direct, objective, black and white opinions, right? But you need to focus on bringing it to the middle and speaking with a posture, delivering with humility 
and grace. For remember, courageous authenticity needs to be the balance of both delivering clear truths and delivering those accuracies with compassion and grace that increases the likelihood of connection and the receipt of the truth that you're communicating. The truth is, in any discussion about a tough topic or disagreement, we are only one part of the equation. That's what we have to remember. We're only one part of the equation. And the best way to express our two cents on a topic and increase the likelihood of it being effectively received by the others, by the recipient, is to start by looking in the mirror with humility and owning what other portion, what any portion, what tiny portion of the conflict or disagreement or tough subject that we on our own can. Because when you lead with this type of humility on your own, on your own portion of it, and you remain open to the fact that your opinion may not be right, and I know that's hard, especially when you're smart and especially when it's black and white, but if you can remain open to that, you actually open others up to receive your objective perspective, to receive your black and white information and create space for meaningful dialogue. This is especially important when it comes to difficult relationships. Especially important when it comes to difficult relationships. To successfully navigate the needed, crucial conversations that must be had to restore a challenging work or personal relationship, a prime blend of courageous authenticity is critical. And when it is relational conflict that's being addressed, leading with humility, right? That spoonful of sugar, leading with humility and starting by owning your own portion of the challenge, it will greatly increase the likelihood of rehabilitating the dynamic. It greatly increases the likelihood of rehabilitating that dynamic. When we first founded our company Habakkuk, We actually took over the region from my former boss who brought me into the industry and gave me an opportunity uh, to get exposed uh, in orthopedics. It was a very messy season when when we took over the territory and I, I was humbled numerous times, numerous, numerous times as a leader. And I learned so many lessons in that season. Ironically, ironically, my I do a word for the year and that year that I took over uh, the territory and we founded our company, my word for that year was greater. My year for that word was greater. <sighs> oh, yeah, I had greater redefined in my life that year because I sure had a preconceived notion of what I thought greater was going to be. And we promptly got I, I promptly as a leader got my backside whooped for 12 straight months. Uh, in results, in leadership, in relational dynamic, in everything. Uh, Yeah, that that was a humbling, humbling season. A chunk of our clients actually were friends and clients of my former boss. And they really were not particularly pleased that we were now servicing them and taking care of them in the operating room. Communication about the transfer of the, the contracts and the territory was handled Poorly by all parties, uh, me included, uh, right at the forefront, me, starting, starting with me. And needless to say, the relationships with those clients were on edge and at risk right from the get-go. I mean, right from the get-go. Some of those previous clients, understandably, you know, began to choose to utilize other companies for their orthopedic implants and service. And this was disappointing and it, it was really tough 
for me in the moment and I was emotional about it that they chose not to work with us and to move on to someone else. In hindsight, it actually makes complete sense. It makes complete sense uh, about why many of them chose to move on. And the real, the real relational challenge for us uh, wasn't the fact that they chose to move on to somebody else. There actually was this one unique element about it. And it was on the fact that once those departed surgeons left, some of them actually wanted to continue utilizing some of our instruments that they had used with us for years to com- put in a competitor's implant. <sighs> that made this a tough dynamic, okay? So I pulled my previous default move, which we've talked about, right? Big F, avoid tough, avoid tough conversations, right? I didn't want to rock the boat, and so I agreed to it. Instead of speaking up my legitimate disagreement that I had inside of me, I didn't. I said, yes, and that wasn't how I felt. So for them, I let them use one of our instruments, a very specific one for preparing the bone to put in competitive products. Unfortunately, uh, some of those competitors got a little emboldened. They began to, they began to uh, take those instruments more uh, frequently than we actually said that they could. And they began to utilize it more uh, beyond what we had given a thumbs up to. And then I recognized just the terrible strategic decision that I had made and how I had opened Pandora's box and now hordes of other surgeons who didn't work with us and didn't, didn't, work, um, didn't even work with us now started to ask to get our instruments to be used with competitive implants. It, it was just not a good decision. And it had all been based because of the fact that I was avoiding being courageously authentic. I was avoiding speaking up. So remember, that was me with my original, my original weakness. Well, because I wasn't held, engaging in healthy, crucial conversations with all the parties involved, my uncommunicated frustration and disagreement was turning into resentment below the surface. Just like we talked about, uncommunicated disagreement was turning into a simmering resentment underneath my service. And so in response to that frustration that was building, <clears throat> I made the decision to fire off a cold, objective letter Uh, pointing out legitimate, objective, black and white facts of all the accounts going on, how um, it was being, you know, the the, our, our instruments were being utilized where they weren't supposed to be. People were taking advantage of this. Uh, And again, it was all factually accurate. It was objective fact. And I let them know that we were going to begin charging for every time they use this instrument. I believe if I remember it was $1,000 we said we were in a charge per utilization. I know those of you listening can't see me doing the facepalm emoji right now, but I'm doing the facepalm emoji. Sometimes you just, and you know what? I know in 10 years I'm going to look back at me and be like, Clay, are you serious? Like those are the decisions you were making? Those were terrible. But now I look back at me, was that seven years ago now? And I'm like, Clay, come on, man. You were setting yourself up for failure. First, you avoided it. Then you swung to the other side and I, I gave no sugar. I came with no humility. I did nothing to say, you know what? This whole train wreck of a situation, I own a huge piece of it. All I did was come blazing with the facts. I came in hard 
with the facts. Because everything I said in this letter, which by the way was also a terrible medium for communication, side note, but everything I said was factual. It was accurate. It was objective. It was true. It was clear. It was direct. And I know all you T's out there, you're like, yeah, I know. I speak true. I speak clear. I speak direct. I bring facts. But what I missed was that spoonful of sugar. I missed that humility on the front side to look in the mirror and own the portion that I had in the relational disconnect to the whole debacle that was going on. And that's the key in being courageously authentic. Lead with that truth matters, but so does posture and delivery. In being courageously authentic, truth matters, but so does posture and delivery. And as you can guess, the entire situation blew up because I didn't do any of those things. And unfortunately, a few of those relationships still to this day have never been restored. I just got to be honest, personally and professionally, personally and professionally. But you know what else I can also share? A majority of them, they have been. They have been. A majority of those surgeons are still our clients to this day, and they have fantastic working relationships with our rep on the ground, with our team, with our organization. So why is that? How? How did that come about? Why is there such a difference from back then to now? It's because we began to be courageously authentic in our conversations and the approach, right? We lived, we knew these three truths that being courageously authentic is a muscle. We knew that we had a physical tell and we began to learn these things and speak these truths. <clears throat> When we, when we recognized our tell was happening, we also began, began to learn the discipline <clears throat> that humility is the truth like sugar is the medicine. A spoonful of it on the front side really helps the truth go down. We led with humility and I began to own the portions of the relational breakdown. Additionally, we spoke truth and we put boundaries in place around the shenanigans that were going on. And we held the two truths in tension together. You take the humility and the truth and you hold it together. Our team lived that out. We didn't fall into a fool's choice that it can only be either or. We lived out that you can have relational connection and speak truth. That's how you can be courageously authentic. We began to speak up when we noticed that our physical tell was holding us back. And we began to start these conversations by looking in the mirror, right? And owning our portion of a difficult content, difficult, difficult topic. We became courageously authentic. We became courageously authentic. And so we ended up restoring, repairing, and have had the honor of serving many of those surgeons for years since. And as we've done that, as we become courageously authentic as people, as individuals, as we've learned this skill, this muscle, we've begun to thrive. We've begun to contribute at a higher level than we ever could have thought, dreamed, or imagined. And you can do that too. You can do that too. For as you build the muscle of being courageously authentic, that will lead to you choosing life day by day, moment by moment, 
instant by instant, choose life. And as you live this way, as you hold this truth and humility being delivered together, as you become courageously authentic and live this life, you must know that this life will still run out. And the only life that will last from here and through eternity is the life that is given through the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us here today. My best to you and yours. Be safe, be healthy, be wise, and choose life.